the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. And now, here's Pastor Scott. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Great to be with you today. As always, hope you had a great weekend. It's hot out there, so be careful in the heat. I love it. But we all may not agree on on all of that. 98 degrees is what I see where I am. Anyway, wherever you are, uh, be safe and uh, enjoy it. It is beautiful outside, I think. We can agree with that. 888-528-2557. 888-528-2557. I've got a theory, and I say it a lot on our program. But my theory, and I might be wrong. Admittedly, I might be wrong. It just, I think a lot of it depends on God's ultimate plan for our country, of course, and where people's hearts are really at. But I like to believe that as a, as a people, we are actually not so divided. I think that there are people who are tremendously divided, and there are people who have been set against each other for one reason or another. But I think that the bulk of us, and I don't want to say like the middle because the middle always sounds squishy, right? When you say in the middle, like you don't have any convictions. I think that we actually have a lot of convictions. I think we are in a troubling time because we don't know how to state them in a way that doesn't turn into something left and right, if that makes sense. And something happened over the last few days that I think demonstrates this. And I'm curious if if you think the same way. There's a song that came out uh, a couple of weeks ago, Rich Men North of Richmond. Have you heard the song? I'll play a little bit of it in a second. But there was an interesting thing. The song is talking about Rich Men North of Richmond. You know what's North of Richmond, Virginia? It is Washington, D.C. And it's a song that is very brutal, I think, in a way that lots of people feel. Well, the controversy is that Republicans tried to make it theirs. And then the singer came out and said, hey, it's not yours. And then Democrats tried to make it theirs. Whole article in the New York Times this weekend, a bunch of stuff. Then the singer had to come out and say, "Eh, it doesn't belong to you either. And uh, he said this. He said, uh, I'm going to play actually some things that he said here in just a minute. But this is his last post on social media. He said, I apologize for beating a dead horse, but I need to address this quote in my video earlier since it's been misquoted and misinterpreted this evening. Uh, corporate news, big surprise, is now trying to twist me into a Biden supporter. See, they turned him into he was a they were criticizing him initially because they thought he was, um, I don't just on the right. And then they were. Uh, then they decided he's for Biden, and he says the song has nothing to do with Joe Biden. It's a lot bigger than Joe Biden. And uh, he had already criticized DeSantis, okay, and the Republicans in general at the debate, because this song got played at the Republican debate as it opened last week. And uh, here, here's the song. Anyway, here, let me finish his quote here. He talks about needing to get uh, out of this conversation. And I feel for this guy because he was in obscurity, right? He was nowhere. And suddenly he is number one on Billboard. 
He is number one on iTunes, and the song is kind of catchy. There's some language in the song, right? If you're listening uh, and you've got your uh, your iTunes uh, explicit lyrics filter on, you're not going to hear the song, okay? So he's got a couple of uh, curses in the song, um, so you should be aware of that before you just decide to play it for your kids. Um, but I, I feel for this guy, but I think he's put some... He's put some things in perspective that we actually all agree on, and this is my theory. And uh, I think that the sides should listen and self-examine because I believe that most of us are in this space where he's talking about. This is the Pastor Scott Show. You can join the conversation, 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. Here is the song, and we'll uh, we'll bleep out the uh, couple of words in it. I've been selling my soul, working all day. Overtime hours for both pay So I can sit out here and waste my life away Drag back home and drown my troubles away It's a damn shame what the world's gotten to For people like me, people like you Wish I could just wake up and it not be true But it is, oh it is Are you, Have you heard this song before? I'll play a little bit more of it but he says, I really wish I could just wake up and it not be true, but it is. And, you know, when you listen carefully in this song, you, and you have to listen carefully, because I think that we, the reason it's so impactful, this is, and if you've seen it, like the video of it, this is a guy who has got, uh, uh, he's standing in the middle of the woods, and this is a place where he, he does his music. He's got a little tent back there, and if you go on his social media, uh, which I did, and you go before he got famous, He's literally recording his songs on top of a washing machine in like his house somewhere. He's got blankets up on cords and and uh, pretty basic, decent equipment, but basic. Like literally, he's got it's on top of his washing machine, and you know that's where he is. That's where a lot of people are right now. You know, kind of when they get started out. I mean, when I'm doing radio, when I first started doing radio, and then especially when the uh, the COVID hit. I had a microphone I bought for, uh, I don't know, 50 bucks, and it was pretty good. Got it on eBay, and I set up pillows, and I would sit in some uncomfortable position to do the show. It was very complicated. Uh, That's where he was just a few weeks ago. Now, this song hits, and it is huge. It is huge. I think I—let me uh, get to it here. I'm going to have to skip ahead because I clicked the wrong thing here. Living in the new world with an old soul, he says. These rich men north the rich men, Lord knows it all. Just want to have total control. Want to know what you think. Want to know what you do. And they don't think you know. But I know that you do. Because your dollar ain't. And it's taxed to no end. So he makes these statements about this, and then he goes on, and he talks a lot in the song just about the the condition of um, of where we're at. He says, I wish politicians would look out for miners and not just miners on an island somewhere. Did you see what he did there? Here's what it sounds like. I wish politicians would look out for miners and 
not just miners on an island somewhere. It's the Jeffrey Epstein thing he's talking about there. He says, I wish politicians would look out for miners, people who actually work in mines, M-I-N-E-S, and uh, it's M-I-N-E-R-S, and not just miners, kids on an island, the Epstein thing. And then he starts talking about the poverty and the homelessness and uh, the system we've got. Lord, we got folks in the street, ain't got nothing to heat, and the obese milk and welfare. Keep on kicking them down. It's a pretty rough song there. Did you catch the lyric there? He talks about uh, the welfare. And there's been some bad takes on this song, like from a bunch of different sides. There was a bad take by um, uh, online by a bunch of guys who are like billionaires. And he, they think that he's talking about the uh, Silicon Valley and the tech industry, which he's not at all. Richmond north of Richmond. It's not Richmond north of Los Angeles. Uh which, by the way, isn't north. You want a weird, weird statistic? There are six state capitals west of Los Angeles. Did you know that? Six. Six state capitals are west of L.A. I'll let you think about that for a while. But um, it is clearly about Washington. Anyway, it had, because it got so huge, because the song got so big, it resonated with people and it united people if you watch it online if you take a look at what some people did with it online there's something that I can't really show on radio but it cuz you you can't you have to see it mostly but it is there's something called reaction videos and what they'll do is they'll play a video that's popular or something that somebody does and half the screen will be that video the other half will be somebody listening to it for the first time or watching it for the first time and so what it is is it records their real life reaction you know how are they responding to these lyrics and something i found to be very encouraging is that there are people from all walks of life who have responded very well to this video like they relate and suddenly you see that people are all together on the same page and see and that's what i believe i think that we might disagree on how to solve some issues but we agree with a few things we agree that we've got hungry people in the street and we're not dealing with it right. We know that there's something terrible about the Jeffrey Epstein thing, that we didn't get the client list effectively, and because it's probably very wealthy or famous people who are the clients, right, that there is a tier, and it's not right or left. It's probably both. I think that that's what I think. I think that's what people think. Um, I find this song to be uniting. How do you feel about it? 888-528-2557. 888-528-2557. Now, because of the the political nature to it, where it's calling out the rich men north of Richmond, people in Washington, and it is calling out policies that don't work, the welfare policies that don't work. There's some bad takes on that too. Real bad take out there even in the Christian world about how, you know, the welfare thing is good and how it helps people. Well, it does, but the song isn't talking about who it helps. The song is talking about who it hurts. And the song is talking about how the system is being abused uh by lots of people. It is a it's a very significant thing and these are tax dollars. Right? This is not Washington spending money. This is you having your money spent on something that is not working. This is the Pastor Scott Show. The number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. So this is Oliver Anthony. Uh, that's not actually his real name. That's his grandfather's name. That's the name that he uses 
Uh, Oliver Anthony is the name he uses when he's singing. His name is Christopher Anthony, actually. And uh, this is what he had to say. So he's had to respond to this. And an interesting thing, too, is that he's been uh, offered contracts by major record, record labels, and he's turned them down. $8 million contract. $8 million, and he shot it down. Uh, and he said, it's not me. I don't want to be on tour buses, and I don't want that life that that $8 million is going to buy. Uh, that takes a lot. I mean, how many of us would just turn it down, even if we didn't want that kind of life? I'll bet a lot of us would take it. I deal with people all the time who quit their job to go to another job that pays more, only to be miserable and incompetent, right? It's not – if you know yourself well enough to what you're good at and the life that you want to live, the money, extra money – you know, it might rent some happiness for a few moments, but it doesn't buy it. And uh, he gets that, wise man. All right, this is this is some of his response to it here. If there is anything for me to address at all with you, it's that. Uh... And incidentally, he's sitting, <laughs> he's sitting in an old truck cab. So the background that you hear is rain. It's rain hitting his old uh, truck cab, I think is where he is, as he's uh, singing this here. You know, it's the one thing that has bothered me is seeing people wrap politics up into this. Uh, I'm disappointed to see, like, it's aggravating seeing people on conservative news try to identify with me like I'm one of them. It's aggravating seeing certain musicians and politicians act like we're buddies and, and act like we're fighting the same struggle here, like that we're trying to present the same message. So what he's referring to is just starting the attention that he got. And then that song that had only come out a couple of weeks before is suddenly the song that they used to open at the Republican presidential debate last week. I've had a lot of people reach out to me and I've tried to be polite to everybody. And um, I've talked to hundreds of people the last two weeks. It seems like certain people want to just ride the attention of the song to maybe make them their own selves relevant, and that's aggravating as hell. The other thing that I find aggravating is, uh, well, you know, like, it was funny seeing my song in the, it was, fun, it was funny seeing it at the presidential debate, because it's like, I wrote that song about those people, you know? So for them to have to sit there and listen to that, uh, that cracks me up. <laughs> you kind of enjoyed that part of it, right, is that, you know... I think people tried to own it as some kind of a conservative anthem. And I'll, you know, the song is far more on that side of things, but I think that we miss the point when we make it sides, right? Because I think, and I, I think that those, those values or those concerns that the working person is, is feeling, that the mistake is to make them sound conservative when I think they are certainly not liberal either. They are what people go through without a label. Does that make sense that that trying to put a label on something that I think most people relate to, most people who go to work every single day, most people who work really hard, most people who are hurting by this economy, most people who go to the gas pumps right now and um, – you know, I was watching somebody complain because the gas is about to be $4 a gallon wherever she lives. I'm like, I'd love $4 a gallon gas. What do you mean? When I go to the gas station right now and I see it pushing back up to 6 I know that not just is my commute more expensive, but all of my food is going to get more expensive. All of the different things. We're going to have the inflation rate, it got up to nine a year ago, back down to three, which is still too high. And it's going to push up again just because of gas. 
I think that people feel that and it doesn't have to be political. It doesn't have to be that. And one of the things he's talking about, and one of the things he says, and I agree, is that we can't make Washington our savior. And it's easy to say that and it's correct. It can't be our savior. And both sides are responsible, I think, in a lot of a lot of this. Even a side that might relate maybe may better to it, they're still spending a lot of money causing that inflation, creating a lot of problems. He goes on with it this way. Uh, but it was funny kind of seeing the response to it. Like, that song has nothing to do with Joe Biden, you know? It's a lot bigger than Joe Biden. And that's what he said, and all of a sudden he's becoming a liberal here, and then later he has to come back and say, no, uh, I'm I'm not a liberal here. I'm I'm not on either side. Both sides try to own it. If you watch the response videos on YouTube to the song, it's not conservative people responding to the song. It's not even necessarily Americans responding to the song. Um... I don't I'm not sure what he means by that cuz I think they're all Americans but I think what he means is is they're not responding politically they're responding as as people I don't know that I've seen anything get such positive response from such a diverse group of people and I think that terrifies the people that I sing about in that song and they've done everything they can the last two weeks to make me look like a fool, to spin my words, to try to stick me in a political bucket. And they can keep trying, <laughs> but I'm just going to keep on writing. That's a hard place to be, right? Because everybody wants to place you in a bucket, you know, and, and place you because there is something out there, and both sides do it to a certain degree. It kind of depends on how sold out you are to maybe an agenda and rather than just people is that if you step out of line just a little bit on whatever that person's agenda is, well, then you're just a bad person or that you reject the entire agenda, right? That is something that I think is bad in our country, that somehow you have to hold on to every tenet of the right or every tenet of the left or you're, you're canceled or you are um, rejected. You are somehow a bad person. And I think that part of the unity that this song has elicited is that everybody's sick of that. We're not sure how to voice it. But here's a guy who uh, came out out of nowhere, and uh, he was able to voice it. You're listening to The Pastor Scott Show. The number is 888-528-2557. Love to have your opinion on uh, this song. Maybe if it's got stuck in your head, maybe this is the first time you're hearing it, but I think that most of us have probably heard it. 888-528-2557. Some of the uh, the bad takes uh, are just misunderstanding what the song is about, and he addresses some of that. And, you know, the English language is interpretive, and so I do understand, like, there may be some people who who misunderstood my words in Richmond, North of Richmond. But I've got to be clear that my message, like with any of my songs, it references the inefficiencies of the government because of the politicians within it that are engulfed in bribes and extortion. And You know, the words say that there's people on the street with nothing to eat in the obese milk and welfare. That references a news article I read earlier this summer that adolescent kids in Richmond are missing meals over the summer because their parents can't afford to feed them and they're not in school to eat cafeteria lunch. There are 
so many things, I think, that when we recognize the, the hungry and the homeless, and then we recognize the abuse in the system. And meanwhile, I think like 30 or 40 percent of the food bought with welfare or EBT money is um, is in a classification of like snack food and soda. I think 10 percent spent on soda, and I want to say like 20 or 30 percent spent on junk food. New York Times reported all of that, all right, that it is and junk food in the store, but also you can spend it at fast food places. i got to tell you what, as, as a uh, pastor, you know, and you've probably had this experience, maybe you've tried to help somebody if their budget was weak or they're really in trouble. I have gone to the store. I used to take people, if they had an actual home, you know, a place to go back to, and take them to the store. If they came to the church and they wanted some money uh, for whatever— uh, sometimes you just you give them a gift card, and it was frustrating because it might be a Subway gift card or something that was be fast food. And I would think to myself, this is a $10 gift card, and it's going to buy them one you know foot-long sandwich and a bag of chips and then a part of another one, right? That's uh, probably what that costs now. And I thought, you know, for $10, you can go to the supermarket. You can buy yourself a couple of loaves of bread, some peanut butter, uh, you can eat a lot more than just one sandwich. It's not what you want. It's not going to taste as good, maybe, although I think that when you make your own sandwich, it's pretty good. You can do so much with so much little, and this is part of the, the problem, and he addresses that. And that's not the fault of those people. Uh, welfare only makes up a, a small percentage of our budget. You know, we can, we can fuel a proxy war in a foreign land, but we can't take care of our own. That's all the song's trying to say. It's just saying that the government takes people who are needy dependent and makes them needy independent. And, you know, that line there, I think that where if you're on your left or your right, you, you take it in a different way. You know, on the left, you might say, well, we're just trying to help people. On the right, you might say, he's right, I agree with him. But on the right, you're not doing anything to fix it either, right? You're, you, from the standpoint of power, the government seems to just get bigger and bigger and bigger. Ronald Reagan, I think, said it the best. I think that he is still right, that our problem is not a problem with government. Government is the problem. And I think we got to go back to that. I think that people agree with that. I think that there's a whole lot more that you and I can do, that our churches can do to address this. But it's such a major thing, and it's so tied up with our politics. There, there has to be something that can be done. And we've got to vote, and we've got to be involved, but in the two years between our votes, what are we doing? What do we do in those two years between our votes? I think that we've got to work hard to come together on some stuff. This is the Pastor Scott Show. The number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. You can watch the Pastor Scott Show right now. Go to kkla.com and click the link, and you can actually watch the show. All right, I'll be back in just a moment as the Monday edition of the Pastor Scott Show continues. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everybody. Pastor Scott Show, 888-528-2557. Great to be with you today. Um, <clears throat> there have been, you know, today is the, uh, the how many years is it, 60th anniversary of the I Have a Dream speech. You know, I would encourage you to actually go read the speech and not just listen to the famous clips. The clips are great. 
I mean, the, the clips that we hear and uh, of everybody not being judged by the color of their skin but the content of their character, uh, I think that that's fantastic. But you got to listen to the whole speech because Dr. King lays out the deep difficulties that black people were having in America then, uh, many of which are here. But he also lays out some hope. Like, he doesn't pull any punches, Right. It wasn't just sort of a a vision of everything being great one day. The speech is, hey, here's how bad things are. Here's how bad things are. And we do not need to uh, we should stop ignoring it and we shouldn't just leave it to gradualism, he says. But something else that he says that's really important is that he says we refuse to believe that the bank of justice is bankrupt. We refuse to believe that there are insufficient funds in the great vaults of opportunity in this nation. And so we've come to cash this check, a check that will give us upon demand the riches of freedom and security of justice. And he goes on to talk about the difficulties and the struggles, but there's always hope. There was always, hey, we're better than this. It wasn't to run down the country with respect to our ideals. The speech is about how we weren't living up to our ideals and how particularly black people were being left out of those ideals. And he talks about segregation and Jim Crow and lots of stuff. And the power of that speech, which, by the way, is listened to by everybody, blacks, whites, everybody came to that speech. And they didn't come just to hear a great orator speak. They came because everybody knew that what was being said there, it struck that nerve. And I think that's something that we've got to go back to because there are people today who uh, reject that on different sides. The idea that, you know, we just have to be against each other or we need to take away from those who have. There's so many differences, but I, I would encourage you to read the whole thing. 888-528-2557. We went through the song Richmond North of Virginia, the Oliver Anthony song. And uh, one of the lines in there is about welfare and the, really the abuse of the system. Some people have had some bad takes with that. Some people uh, at Christian Magazine had this whole article, and it was talking about how the author was talking about how he was helped by the safety net of welfare. And I think that's great. Uh, Great. Good for him. I think that's what it's meant to be. But he misses the entire point that there is so much abuse, and we know it, that we shouldn't be paying for people to just be dependent, that people have to – people have got – to be able to work and to not be placed in a any place where they can't work and we've had we've done a lot to sort of keep people defend, dependent it's not a good thing and one of them is now you know i know it's not popular but i think we should have rules on what can be bought with uh you know the ebt uh you shouldn't go to burger king uh it should be supermarket it should be food and cuz it'll go a lot further if you don't do that that's true for all of us it's true for us. When we look at how much money you spend going out to eat, even if just fast food, even if you do it cheap, right? You just you buy the burger, you don't buy the fries, you don't buy the drinks. We'll do that a lot as a family. It's still 20 bucks, 30 bucks to do that. So no drinks, no dessert, no fries, and uh, you're still going to spend uh, 20 to $40. And that $40 can probably feed your family for a week if you did sandwiches, 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. Ted in L.A., welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. How you doing, Pastor Scott? I'm all right, Ted. How are you today? Blessed, blessed, uh, blessed to live in the city of the angels. And um, I just want to touch on, uh, you know, I am very uh, selective on what I'll do. I'll go to, like, Smart and Final and get those chickens. And a lot of them are left over, and they go on sale when it gets really late at night. 
and they're trying to give them away. You mean the chickens that they chickens, cook, like, uh, you know, they're okay. all cooked and ready to go? They're pre-cooked. They taste the best of the fab, so I don't care how many steroids are in them, but I like them. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> but at any, any rate, uh, uh, look, you can, you can cook them the way you want them, man. I cook them I, with garlic and, and put honey on them. I mean, and, and then you get those, those cheap, uh, uh, um, rice uh you can get two for five at bonds there's so much stuff you can do and just have a, an unbelievable meal uh that supersedes any kind of garbage they're feeding these kids it's it's uh you know god, god forbid if you if you see me at the right hand of the father things are going to change you know these well, kids should be eating something that, that feeds their brain. And, there's and, there's and, a lot of movements for that but i think that there's a lot of takeaway right a lot of contradictory policies, policies towards eating healthy and then versus a policy that invites you to eat poorly. Well, I don't know what kind of policy that is, but it's straight up evil. Um, These kids need a proper nourishment to think straight. And, uh, you know, thank God I had parents that it was a gallon of milk there every day for me and I drank half of it. And I was blessed as far as that goes. Yeah. But my God, I just couldn't. I, I mean, I would improvise. I would improvise, and um, I would make it to where, just like what they did to the uh, people that owned apartment buildings, they penalized them and gave them money and turned people into squatters and penalized people that owned buildings and couldn't pay their note. Yeah, it's there's happens. There's a lot of problems. Yeah, Ted, thank you for calling. You know, and that's that's part of the thing is that government. I think it's. It's something that's natural in our system for our government to want to help, but there is, and I think that's because of of people who says we have we say we have this resource we should help. But is the government helping in homelessness in California, or is it making it worse? Well, it's clearly making it worse. Is the government helping in uh, making sure that people are fed and fed well? There's certain things that they do, right? The school lunches and and lots of giveaways, but there is such a much more efficient way of doing it. And, uh, you know, I think it's something that governments of all kinds, when they get involved with this, uh, it's a problem. If you go back and you start to look at classical teaching on big government, small government, I'm talking about you go back 2,000 years, go back to the Greek guys, Aristotle and Plato and those people, and you listen to what they are arguing about. Um, You will find out that uh, they... Uh, have a similar argument as of today. What's There's too much government or too much or too little, right? It's big government, small government. But what you found is that they would agree that at some point there's just too much government in our lives, meaning that the government's job, you know, a federal government or a overseeing, you know, arching government, you know, back then there would be a government. The job is pretty much to protect people and do things that that people can't do on their own. But if you're getting involved in what people ought to be doing on their own or how people ought to take care of each other, if you're getting involved at that level, to the level of of feeding people, for example, uh, we're talking about 2,500 years ago, okay, there's no supermarkets, there's, it's a different system. Um, but I think the principles still apply today. The governments are going to fall. That was the idea. And I think that that is right. Uh, I think that that is correct. Um, and that's still the same today, that when the government is spending so much time with things that we ought to be able to do for each other, to help each other, make sure that everybody has something to eat, to make sure that I think that there's a whole lot that we could do better. And maybe we're in a place where we won't. You know, when I, when I talk about the unity that I think most of us have, 
Um, there is a part of me that believes as Americans we still have that in us, that we take care of each other. And I think we see that whenever there's tragedy. I think that we see that in, you know, I was watching, now maybe this is old, 20 years ago, 23 years ago, I was watching some 9-11 stuff recently. And, you know, that day, you see people of all backgrounds and all races and everybody arm in arm and helping each other. Everybody rallied. And you have this tremendous unity in the country, something that, you know, I think that that in the heart of us, I think that's who we are. I think the reason that this song today resonates, because it taps into that. I think that you you find these moments in our history that tap into something that we know is better. And as Christians, I think that we know that that is what the Lord is about. I think that we understand that this is that there's something in our hearts about the goodness of of the love of each other. And I'm not saying, by the way, that that saves you, because the Bible tells us Jesus says there's nobody good, right? But but the idea that there's something in us that Jesus has put, that the Lord has put in eternity in our hearts, I think it drives us to care for one another because we ought to. And some of the greatest evil is when we don't, as human beings. This is something I think that we have to consider. And I think when we think about these subjects, when this song comes out, if we get anything out of this guy's uh, political right and left trying to own him, this Oliver Anthony song, I think that what we should see is that we need to take a look at ourselves, that the right and the left needs to look at themselves and say, rather than just say, hey, this number one hit is, is speaking our language, you got to ask, is it really speaking our language? Are we really... Um, feeling the same thing that regular working people are feeling? Are we really leading this country in the way that it ought to be led? And I think that there's a lot of criticism to go around. I think that there is, and I think it ought to be self-criticism. I think when we take the log out of our own eye, as Jesus said, when we do it corporately or we do it individually, there is a benefit to that. The benefit, by the way, is then you can see enough to take the uh, speck out of your neighbor's eye. I think when the parties try to own one thing or the other without taking the log out of their own eyes, then they're not going to be effective. That's why nothing gets solved. That's why things get worse. That's why government gets bigger and bigger and bigger and spends more money than we even have. All right. Uh, the number is 888-528-2557. If you want to join the conversation, this is the Pastor Scott Show. And uh, if you want to uh, follow us on socials, look for at Pastor Scott Show, at Pastor Scott Show. We just put a uh, tweet of Oliver Anthony's comments, at Pastor Scott Show, on X or Twitter, as it's called. I'll be back for your calls here in just a moment as the Monday edition of the Pastor Scott Show continues. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now, back to the show. Champs on a walk-off home run. 
The El Segundo Little League team won the Little League World Series. I don't know if you've watched that. And they just returned to Southern California. And right now they are in El Segundo and there's a parade. I'm watching it live on the TV. There's a huge parade. They're in like, uh, you know, fancy limousines, this team of kids. They're 10 to 12 years old. That's how old these kids are. And they won the World Series. Louis Lappy is his name. He's 12 years old. He had a, he had a World Series winning home run. He won the Little League World Series on one swing, wins it for his team. That's amazing. Every kid dreams about it. I'm emotional watching this because I'm I'm watching this parade. There are thousands of people right now in El Segundo watching this parade. And uh, the kids are hanging out the window of these big, uh, fancy, you know, SUVs like you'd see, I don't know, in a presidential motorcade, right, or some important person coming in. And uh, they've rolled a red carpet out for these kids. This is amazing. I don't know if you pay attention to that, but it's so, you know, I got to tell you, as a, as a dad now and as somebody who played Little League, I love it. And, yeah, parents get out of control. You know, we've got signs up at our Little League field, you know, reminding everybody that there's no scouts there today and, uh, you know, stop yelling at everybody. Um, and there's not – it wasn't too bad this year. This is an exciting game. They They – the other team, Carrasso, I think is what it is. Carrasso, how do you say that, Wilbur? Am I saying that right? It's from uh, Caribbean somewhere. Curaçao? Curaçao? Curaçao. Curaçao, I think as I said. Uh, they tied the game with a grand slam. Sounded like this. Listen to that crowd, you know. I mean, that's pretty cool for a kid. Did you guys play Little League? Uh, 888-528-2557. You got a memory? I'm thinking about, I've got some really good memories from, uh, you know, growing up playing baseball. and uh, But not like this. You dream about hitting a game-winning home run like that. You dream about that in the World Series. <laughs> All these kids, this parade is fantastic. I'll tell you what my... Uh, what my big moment was, this was actually in high school baseball, but I was I was 14, so slightly older than this uh, freshman in high school. Um, I might have been a sophomore, but I think I was a freshman. We had this great team, and uh, I'm, I was on the team, and I didn't start uh, my freshman year, but we our team was so good that I usually played, was in the game by the third inning because we would be ahead 20 to nothing or something, and then they'd start putting on, in all the subs. So I got to play a lot. I might have played more than the starting people, it turned out. So, And something our school would do is every day they would announce over the PA system in the morning announcements for school, but they'd also talk about you know, whatever happened in sports, especially if we won. And if we won, they would tell you, you know, who did what, who got a touchdown, or who scored the most points, who, who you know, what they did in the baseball game. So... I grew up in uh, Palmdale, went to school in Lancaster, and we took, we played people all over Southern California. We had this particular game. It was in Bishop. We had a four-hour drive. Crazy. Now, that was awesome as a kid, right? You missed most of school. Uh, one of the great reasons to join the sports team was you could get out of class. So, I don't know. We probably left at nine in the morning or something on a bus, drove to Bishop. We get all the way up there, and uh, it's one of those games where we're ahead like 20 to nothing, something like that. And, you know, it's kind of brutal, and I don't know, it might have been the fourth inning. So there's a lot of baseball still to play. And I was uh, the slowest person on the team, probably, or pretty close to the slowest person on the team. It's one of those things. When I was in junior high, I was the fastest kid in the school, I think. But by the time I was a couple years into high school, I don't know why. I was the slowest person on the team. Anyway... Where I had, let's say it was 20 to nothing or something, and there's runners at first and third, and there's no outs. 
And uh, so this story, I'm going to tell you, this is like my highlight, although there's a catch to it. Okay. So I get up to bat and I get a base hit in the right field. And so I round first base. And as I do, I see the second baseman get the cutoff throw from the right fielder. And then he throws it home and there's somebody out at the plate. Now, I'm assuming that the guy on first was just super fast and he sped around the bases and he got out at the plate. But then I notice it's not the guy who was on first who's out at the plate. It's the guy who was on third who's out at the plate. And I thought, well, how's he getting thrown out at first at home? He must have fallen down. I figured he must have tripped and fallen because how in the world is he getting out at home plate? Anyway, he's out. So now the situation is first and third and there's one out. Now, I look over at uh, the coach and the third base coach, and he gives me the steal sign. Now, you don't typically steal on your opponent when you're up by 20 runs anyway. That's bad sportsmanship. However, I'm the slowest person on the team. And what went through my mind is like, well, maybe he just wants me to get an opportunity to practice here. My, my So I take off on the next pitch, and I steal second base. The throw comes down, and I'm safe. I made it. I stole second. And as I'm getting up, brushing myself off, I notice that the guy who was on third is now getting thrown out at home plate and he's out. And I thought, okay, we tried to double steal or delayed double steal and it didn't work. And uh, so now I'm on second base and there's two outs. And I look over at the third base coach and he gives me the steal sign again. And I'm going to steal third. The next pitch happens and I take off and I steal third. I'm safe. Throw comes down and I beat it. Dive in head first. I'm I'm uh, amazed that I've now stolen two bases and I'm brushing myself off and coach walks over to me and very quietly he says, he says, Scott, we have a four hour drive home and we're ahead 20 to nothing on the next pitch. I want you to walk home and get tagged out. Oh, now I know why those guys are getting tagged out at home, right? He's just sending them home because we want to go home. We still got a couple innings to play. All right. So now I get it. I understand what's going on. I'm, I'm, I did steal the bases though. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll point out that legitimately, I stole second and third. So the next uh, the next pitch happens. He throws the ball in. I don't remember if it was a ball or a strike. And I start trotting home. And I kind of just walk very carefully home. Now, by this time, the catcher on the Bishop team, he understands what's up. And so he's just standing there with the ball in his glove waiting for me to walk into his glove. He put his hand out into the baseline, right? And I could just walk into him. So I walk up there uh, to home plate. And the glove is standing there. And I'm just supposed to touch the glove with the ball in it. And then I'm out. And that would be the end of the inning. And I stopped and I looked at the catcher. He looked at me and then I reached my foot in underneath his glove and I touched home plate. And the umpire goes, well, he's safe. And I stole home. A straight steal of home. It wasn't like some uh, squeeze play. It wasn't anything. Now, obviously, uh, lots of things happened. There was a bench clearing brawl. The other team was so angry about us walking home and stealing on them because, like I said, it is bad sportsmanship. We were just trying to go home. Uh, so there's this bench-clearing brawl. And, that, I mean, it was for a high school game, you know, not not great. You know, it was bad. However, I did not participate in this. What I did was I went over to the official game scoring person who was sitting behind home plate, and I said, you make sure you mark that down as a steal of home, that I stole home. And uh, she said, okay, and she marked it down. And uh, I left it there. Well, you know, eventually we get out of there and we go home. The other team, I think, quit, you know, shortly after that, actually. And then uh, we got to go home early. And uh, the coach, Coach Martinez, he uh, he fined me a dollar. We always got fined or something when we didn't uh, do what the coach said. Uh, and it should have been five dollars, but I think it was only a dollar because at the end of the day, they quit and we did get to go home early, which is what he wanted. 
So the best moment for me was the next day in school where they're announcing the game and they announced the score, blah, 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 blah. And then they said, and Scott Furrow stole home. Yes, straight steal of home. Slowest guy in the team stole home. And, you know, on paper, that's what it was. And I'll argue all to this day that, I, yep, I stole home. Uh, it's not really the same thing. It's not. But on paper, it is. You know, you got to be careful about those box scores. They, uh, that's, my, uh, that's my best moment playing baseball as a kid. I never had a parade like they're having in El Segundo right now for the El Segundo Little League team. <laughs> That's exactly what it sounded like, uh, certainly in my head. And uh, I think I should just uh, – it's too bad we didn't video things back then, right? It would be on YouTube somewhere I could send it around. Uh, and uh, Or if we did video it, somebody had one of those cameras that had the big VHS tape in the back, you know, and uh, it was, it was uh, you know, one in the afternoon. But if it wasn't bright enough, you still couldn't see the picture back in those days. All right, this is the Pastor Scott Show, 888-528-2557. If you get a chance – uh, you know, check out what's happening. You'll probably see it on the news later today, but it's a pretty cool thing for those kids to win that Little League World Series and to have this parade. You know, this is also something else I think that's great about, you know, our, our culture. And we should take a look at that and go, you know what? Most people, those parents and all those people who are coming out, thousands of people are out there on the street watching this parade as the team has just come back uh, from back east. Um, this is great. You know, what a memory for those kids. And, you know, there probably are some scouts uh, looking at those kids. They're a little young for that, you know, and parents, you know, let your kid do high school and whatever. Everybody that I played with who really was good enough for major leagues, only one that I know of actually made it. And he blew out his arm in a couple of years, right? You just, there's no guarantees uh, that you're going to do it. Just have fun. And uh, I think it's pretty fun. I've got memories of all kinds of different things like just small things a few mistakes you know that i made i made three errors in uh one one inning playing shortstop one time and uh you know i'd really rather not even talk about that it's a painful memory but i've got memories of certain hits and certain uh championships and uh certain things it's a it's a great thing baseball is america's pastime and uh, so congratulations el segundo congratulations on uh all the families and stuff what a great memories uh, that you provided. Here's what it sounded like at the end. Challenged him, and this game is over! Lewis Lappy does it again! California, your Little League World Series champs on a walk-off home run! All right, pretty cool. Everybody... We'll come back for hour two of the Pastor Scott Show. You can watch the Pastor Scott Show now on KKLA.com. And if you miss an hour of the show, get our podcast. Go to Pastor Scott Show and click subscribe wherever you find the podcast and your favorite podcast provider. And you can follow us right now on social media at Pastor Scott Show. Just look for at Pastor Scott Show, Twitter or X, Instagram, and uh, check us out there. All right, we'll be back with hour two of the Pastor Scott Show as the Monday edition continues. Stay tuned. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.